Sit down if you want to. Right in the middle of what's going on. I'm in the middle of an interrogation. Take a seat, young Skywalker. The middle children of history, man. Middle of the day, Alfred? Please, take a seat there. Right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Stop the middle of the base hit! Meeting in the middle. They fought for the freedom of middle. 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 The middle of the middle. The middle of the war. Freaking ridiculous. Why don't we have a seat to talk about? No, not the middle seat. When you need a minute to look it over, it's time for a freeze frame. Where Nate Lundgreni, Andrew Roger, and Jay Kensler of the middle seats. And this show is designed to pause and take a quick look from a movie from the past and see how it holds up with a closer look. These are always spoiler-filled reviews, but if you're curious about the movie and you don't want to be spoiled, look for the ratings timecode in the description below. Now guys, do you feel magic in the air? Could it be that Harry Potter is back? No? Well, how about it's American Cousin? That's right, folks. Fantastic Beasts 2 is headed to theaters, and that means that we have to play catch-up. Here's a quick refresher on the first of this spin-off series, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. So, you're the guy with the case full of monsters, huh? Use travels first. Mr. Scamander, do you know anything about the wizarding community in America? Hey, Mr. English guy, I think your egg is hatching. I don't think I'm dreaming. I'll give it away. I ain't got the brains to make this up. This is related to Grindelwald's attacks in Europe could mean more. I refuse to bow down any longer. Alrighty, so that was a little snippet of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Uh, the movie is both a spin-off and a prequel to the original Harry Potter series. It features Eddie Redmayne as Newt Scamander and the new main character of the series, but also features as a fun cast of Catherine Waterston, Dan Fogler, Ezra Miller, and Colin Farrell, among many others. Gentlemen, get your rons and your broomsticks ready, and let's discuss, does Fantastic Beasts match the magic of the Harry Potter series? Drew, let's start with you. I saw Fantastic Beasts for the first time probably in theaters two years ago, I think. Uh, yeah, 2016 is when it first came out. Uh, and then I rewatched it for the first time last night, and even still having just rewatched it, I'm already starting to forget pieces of it. And I think that's kind of indicative of what's, I guess, wrong with this movie, I would say. This movie's fine. It's decent. It's an okay, acceptable spinoff. But the Harry Potter films themselves, a lot of them are really great, and they're really magical. They're some of the best children's entertainment escalating towards young adult entertainment that we've ever seen in the film genre. And then Fantastic Beasts is kind of, it's kind of got the prequelitis syndrome. It doesn't have it as bad as like the Star Wars prequels or anything like that, or even the Hobbit prequels, but it's just kind of there to explain things that we really didn't need to know about. It's there to make more money off of a big franchise, um, and it's there to spin off and s subsequently set up other sequels. And I understand why we need to do that. Like, I understand why Hollywood does do that, it just doesn't make for – it makes for mildly diverting, entertaining, but like kind of forgettable, fluffy blockbusters. And that's kind of how I feel about Fantastic Beasts. It's kind of – it's just kind of there. Like nobody talks about this movie. So yeah, it's fine, 
it's nothing great, but it's it's good. It's competent is what I think I would settle on. It's definitely not magical. All right, Drew, that sounds good to me. Let's hear from Jake now. Um, so yeah, Fantastic Beasts. I actually, this is one of the biggest ones I missed in, in 2016 when it came out. So I watched it for the first time over the weekend and um, kind of the same. It's not a bad movie, but it was kind of struggling to hold my attention. Again, not anything bad, just not anything special either. You know, Drew took the word that I was going to take. It's fine. It's decent. It's okay. If you love the series, you got to see it. Um, If you saw the Harry Potter movies in theaters and just thought they were good, you probably don't care a whole lot about these these ones. Um, But yeah, I thought it was fine. I think Eddie Redmayne's good. He's a very good actor. Other than that, I don't think there was a whole lot of standout acting. I think everybody was fine to decent, top to bottom. Nobody really blew me away. The story didn't really blew me away. It's got its fun moments. It's got its creativity for sure. It's got some interesting magical things, but it's not without its problems either. And overall, I think it's just decent and it's a, from a producing standpoint, it's a good idea for a cash grab for sure. Alrighty. I guess that just leaves me. And in terms of overall quality, I'm on the same page as you guys, but I think for different reasons. Um, I do want to preface that I will give Warner Brothers a little bit of props for actually making a spinoff to a concluded series that I'm on board with. We've talked a lot about unnecessary sequels in the world of movies, but I feel like this is the right way to go about it. There's not a lot of callbacks to the original Harry Potter series. Um, On its own, it tries to be its own movie and just takes the general concept, and that is wizards in real life and this whole awesome wizarding world, and moves it over to a whole new setting with whole new characters and just runs with it. And when it's doing that, I enjoy the movie. I think, honestly, my standout performance, besides Eddie Redmayne, is Dan Fogler. Yeah, I agree. He grounds this movie, and he is funny. He's really, really funny. He reminds me of when I watched the original Harry Potter, like Sorcerer's Stone, the first one, and it was just so cool seeing this magical world being brought to life. And he has that kind of childlike optimism and happiness about his whole performance that um, definitely sold the movie. And his character, I think, brings this movie up a whole letter grade in terms of quality. Right. And I think that's a big problem that is missing from the rest of the movie, to be honest. Like, his character and his relationship with, I think, Queenie is her name. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. a romantic relationship between a psychic wizard, or witch, I should say. And him, of course, a, a they call it a no, nomad instead of a muggle in America. There are little tweaks like that that are different in between the American world and the British world. But I think what makes the Harry Potter series so lovable is, it, I mean, the CGI and the magic and all of the cool creatures and all the cool spells and everything, of course, are iconic. But I think it really comes down to the main characters. It comes down to how much we like Harry and Ron and Hermione and Dumbledore and Snape and Malfoy And just, like, those kind of characters are missing except for really him because he's someone you can identify with. Of course, obviously, he's the audience surrogate being sucked into this world. But he has, like, goals and ambitious. He's a former member of the military who's trying to just start a small business, a bakery to make people happy. And that's something that's identifiable. And you cling to him instantly. Dan Fogler, who's kind of been in past movies, he's been kind of like a C-list Jack Black (laughs) He really does deliver here, and I'm glad they're bringing him back for future movies, even if we're going to have to see if that makes sense, but we'll figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, like, yeah, I think 
I connected to him in a way that I never connected to Newt's commander, to be completely honest. And it's nothing Eddie Raymane is doing, per se, but the way the character is written, he's such an alien and such an oddball that he kind of is tough to attach to, if that makes sense. That might be the point, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I just never felt myself going, oh, God, Newt is my hero, you know? Right. You might you might look at him and go, like, what a fun, quirky character that I can follow, but you're not going to go, oh, that's so me. Well, you're right. Dan, Dan Fogler is the everyman's man, and... I wouldn't say he like he stood out to me, but I was definitely pleasantly surprised, I think would be my word, because I haven't seen him in anything in a while. But you're right, Newt's commander is, you know, to touch on him, he is this weird, unique, quirky guy, and it's probably on purpose, but he's probably more for, for show. You know, he is a wizard. He, we're not supposed to relate to him 100%. Right, and he might work better as a supporting character, too. You kind of said that with the quirkiness. Like, yeah. Exactly. Like, I was kind of turned off by just how cold the character is. He right. doesn't emote that much the only time you see him passionate about anything is when he sees or when he shows off all the animals in the briefcase for the first time and that's a solid i feel like 30 40 minutes into the movie right and after that he's kind of just like he's more akin to gandalf from lord of the rings where he tells everyone else what's going on when it's necessary for him to do so and then he's silent for the rest of the plot and unfortunately there is a lot of non-Fantastic Beast plot in the movie right? that really bogs them down and completely detaches Newt from the story. Well, that's the thing. Like, as much as I think Newt is just kind of, he's an okay character, he doesn't work as the lead, per se, and they try to retcon some kind of emotional backstory into him way too late. Like, anytime we see him emote, like you said, 30 minutes in when we go into his briefcase, but then, like, an hour after that, we learn that he had, like, a former fling with a picture of Zoe Kravitz, as a Lestrange yeah. sister. It's like, wow, this is far too late for this, but okay. Um, but anyway, at least I was enjoying the kind of like Pokemon Go of the Harry Potter universe, going and picking out these creatures, that creature that loves money, and then they just take them to a bank. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. But at least I was enjoying <laughs> that. It's the stuff with Ezra Miller and the stuff of Colin Farrell that, you're right, bogs the thing down, but is necessary for what is going to happen forward. And there's just not a good balance in that way. Like every time we went to those scenes, I was I checked out almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did some checking out as well, <laughs> for sure. I haven't even seen it before, and I was like, oh, I don't. This movie's just not great. It's not as exciting as it should be. Yeah, especially given the history of the series. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's probably some diehard Harry Potter fans who feel differently, but as overall film fans and critics, we are not as amused as many. <laughs> I don't know, Jake, because I saw one of those Ariana Grande memes with the one so caught me like patience, one taught me love, one taught me pain yeah. by a Harry Potter fan. And the pain one was Fantastic Beasts. So I don't know how wow. they feel about it overall. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Can we talk about the smoke monster? Because I'd like to talk about the smoke monster. Ah, yes, the smoke monster. Yes, let's talk about <laughs> how a Harry Potter movie with these awesome Fantastic Beasts managed to come up with a generic action movie smoke monster. As his final villain. I, how the I, hell did I that I think you happen? just said it all. That's exactly how I wanted to say it. <laughs> yeah, sorry to steal the words out of your mouth. Like, come on, Wizarding World. You have limitless imagination at your fingertips and wands, and you're using a destructive smoke beast. Yeah. Why? Did nobody watch come Fantastic on. Four Rise of the Silver Surfer when they turned Galactus into a cloud? Like, is nobody watching these movies and being like, mm-hmm. we should learn from that? Or Green Lantern. Yeah. Or even previous Harry Potter movies. Like, the Death Eaters could turn into smoke, and they destroyed London Bridge. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's just like. Yeah, see, I didn't know much about this movie going in. But so when Ezra Miller turns into the smoke thing, I was like, really? This is your whole, come on, Harry Potter. <laughs> this is your big thing. This is what you're doing to us for the end. Okay. Hey, leave Harry's name out of this. This isn't his fault. Like, come on, Wizarding World. <laughs> yeah. J.K. Rowling. There you go. <laughs> that surprised me a lot because it is the cr- original creative team uh, for the most part from the original series. And yeah. it's J.K. Rowling writing the screenplay. And it's David Yates who directed five through seven of the Harry Potter movies. And it's just – there's just something missing and that thing missing is Harry Potter. Like it's just the character – you know, he is our audience surrogate because he knows nothing about any of this till he's 11 years old. It's a perfect way. She set it up perfectly. Here, we're just kind of thrown into it. Like, think about the way the movie starts. So you get the Warner Brothers logo with the fanfare, then you get the Fantastic Beast logo, and then they just go into a bunch of backstory with, like, newspapers. And I'm like, I'm sorry, this is, this is like, you're just yeah. throwing a lot of information at me. This is not Actually, the best yes. way to tell a story. Because right from the beginning, when they showed Fantastic Beast, where to find them, and then newspapers, I was like, why wouldn't you do Warner Brothers to newspapers to fit? It's just, it's kind of weird. It's just a weird or, fit. Or actually show some Fantastic Beasts, exactly. maybe? Like, yeah. Start that. the movie like you started Jurassic Park, dummies. Mm-hmm. I think if I had to change one thing about this movie, it would just be more beasts. The fact that the final villain ended up being a mostly human and not a monster in any way... It just undercut the whole title of the movie and the whole arc of the movie. Yeah, it's Fantastic Peace and Where to Find Them in New York City while we're really focusing on some troubled children. It isn't Grindelwald the prequel. Right. Right. And obviously needed to set up the sequel that's coming out. Yeah, I just think they got scared because if you just look at the baseline of Newt, this is basically just an extended study abroad semester that he's spending. (laughs) Like, that's Mm. all it is. But like, you know what? There's There's nothing really wrong with that, per se. You don't need to cram in mythology to everything. I mean, the original Harry Potter movie, she had a game plan. You know, she had a game plan riding throughout that she knew mm-hmm. she was going to be building to a bigger story. But you don't have to do that in this one. Like, did anybody really need the Colin Farrell reveal in this movie? Like, don't you think that would have worked better if we had seen him be kind of a bastard in a different way to Newt? And then we kind of develop that. Or alternatively, don't reveal him at all and just wait until the sequel. Yeah. And then turn him evil after we grow to like the character at first or something something more nefarious. Did you guys call that, by the way? I'm curious. Mm. Well, as, as soon as you meet him in the dark alleyway, you know that he's evil. It's just a matter of... Yeah, I don't think I called it was Grindelwald per se. I thought maybe he was working for him. And again, Grindelwald is such a small little factor of this movie up until the very end. Yeah. That right. I wouldn't judge the audience for not picking up on that because right. it isn't important to the movie up to that point. Exactly. For me, I was like, I was like, they're both clearly not good guys and they have the same hair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which for me, so when he switched, but the hair just changes color and same style, I was like, oh, I feel like I should have caught that. Maybe, maybe not. If you guys didn't catch it, I don't feel as bad. But when they first revealed it, I was like, oh, Jake, yeah, you could have caught that. <laughs> We've been trashing the movie for a little bit. Let's steer the direction into things we thought worked in Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> I'm like, I'm thinking... Um, like if we're talking like technical, not as interesting stuff, set design, costume design, all that kind of stuff, I think was good. Well handled. Um, I think overall tone was pretty fitting as far as like, you know, upbeat when it was supposed to be down and kind of dark with Ezra Miller when it was supposed to be stuff like that. Like overall, like wasn't bad. Just 
not you know not necessarily sloppy either. I would say just not anything overly special. Like the yeah. the positives are kind of things that you're supposed to get done. I think. Yeah, the technical stuff is really sharp. This movie won an Oscar for uh, best costume design. Uh, it actually is the first movie in the Potter universe to win an Oscar, which is seems ironic to me, but. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it certainly earned it. Like, it looks really good. It does look really good. Um, like I said, I don't think any of the actors are doing a bad job. I do actually like Colin Farrell's performance, even if I have problems with his character, per se. Um, yeah, I mean, like, everybody showed up to work. That <laughs> that sounds like a backhanded compliment when I <laughs> say it like that. It sounds like a backhanded compliment, but I mean it kind of in a good way. Like, it's very easy for a project to tank when it has script problems, but no, it People did what they needed to do to elevate this and make this a, a solid, if unremarkable, blockbuster story. It's entertaining enough that, like, now I'm remembering standout sequences, even if, like, they'll fade away. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a complete black hole in my mind. <laughs> right. And, like, ironically enough, I think a lot of the things that I remember are the Beast, which is what they don't focus on. Right. <laughs> Like, all this stuff in Central Park, his whole briefcase scene, like, when Dan Fogler is dragged down into the briefcase, I'm like, this whole thing is so cool. Do this more. Let's see it. Yeah. Yeah. Really, for me, it just comes down to every scene with Dan Fogler is great because that's what Harry Potter as a series and as a world has developed into. It's it's taking like everyday little tasks and turning them into something magic, seeing spaces that are much bigger than they should be. Even just the adventure of trying to hunt down all these wacky creatures that don't act like normal animals do. That's all the fun stuff. And I just wish there was more. <laughs> I just really wish there was more. Yeah, me too. All right, I I think that's about all we can say about Fantastic Beasts without really nitpicking. So let's swing it over to Jake for final thoughts. Um, so not a waste of time. <laughs> oh, God. Um, no, I know. <laughs> um, no, it was overall it was overall decent. I'm glad I finally got to it. It was not on not high on the list, but on the list of get tos for a while. So I'm glad I finally got to it. Because I read all the Harry Potter books when I was younger. I've seen all the movies. I consider myself a fan. So I'm glad I got to it. Just not anything special. I was hoping for, for more. Like the performances are fine. Um, it looks, it visually, it looks good. It looks nice. It's just not anything as interesting as it should be. And I hope they spend more time with animals if they're going to go the Grindelwald route, which it sounds like they obviously are. I hope they make that at least somewhat more interesting. Maybe Jude Law's Dumbledore will elevate it. I don't know. Um... But I think overall is fine. And then I rating, I think this is a very clear wooden seed. It's very down the middle. It doesn't deserve to be in the negative. Um, but I wouldn't say it's good enough for a plush recliner. I think it's a very fair wooden seed for me. Alrighty, that'll do it from Jake. Let's go over to Drew. Final thoughts and what would you rate Fantastic Beasts and where to find them? Yeah, I think I'd pretty much co-sign everything Jake just said. Uh, I'm right in the same rating range. It's it's a pretty clear wooden seed. It's not great. It's solid. It's a solid movie made by people that know what they're doing, even if the script is kind of looking forward too much. Like, I didn't even talk about some of the issues that I had with, like, other characters. Like, we didn't even talk about John Voight's character or why he's in this. Or, Probably. like, yeah, because it, it, like, it honestly doesn't mean that much while the time that you get down to it. Like, when you think about this movie, you don't think about those things. And... The biggest problem for me is just how forgettable it is. I'm not going to penalize a movie because it does that. You know what I mean? Like it's forgettable, but it's still competent and it's still doing what it needs to do to be classified as a decent movie. This is the most negative sounding wooden seat review that I think I've ever given. But 
I give gen- wooden seats with splinters, so right, it's exactly. not that bad. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I mean, it's good. You can watch it and you'll enjoy it, I think. It, you just won't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, sorry. It's just like the finale, then. You're going to send a giant eagle up into the sky with a little vial of memory potion and poof. <laughs> what right <movie>? there. <laughs> I will finish off the trio of wooden seats here. In terms of the world building, the acting, and the general creativity of this movie, it has that in spades, and it does a very good job of that. It's just an unfocused plot with forgettable moments sprinkled in throughout the entire movie to the point where it's overbearing. I wish that Newt Scamander was a more compelling lead. I wish we had more Dan Fogel discovering brand new American Wizarding World that neither him or the audience has encountered before. And I wish they saved all this weird Grindelwald Dark Wizard stuff for the sequel. Overall, still enjoyed the movie and I'm optimistic for the sequel if they capture the right tone. Uh, and we'll just have to wait and see with all of you guys when it comes out. That'll do it for this review of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. As for us, here's how you can get in touch. Please like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Middle Seats. You can also listen to us on the go on both SoundCloud and iTunes. For questions, comments, and updates on the show, keep an eye on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at The Middle Seats. And if you like what you hear and you want to see more content, let us know and spread the word. That's it for this week's Freeze Frame at The Middle Seats. Keep that seat warm, everyone, and we'll be back soon.